Hello and welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up? A mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. I'm Chris. And I'm Lindsay. And the first thing I want to ask today is, Lindsay, how are you holding up? I'm excited for this podcast, so I'm doing okay. Again, I've been continuing with the changes of moving and so forth and not having my dog with me a Mm. lot because of the move and Mm. that's stressful. Mm Mm-hmm. And Chris, how are you holding up? Well, I had a eventful, uneventful week. Uh, It was, once again, another week mostly of go to work, go home, go to work, go home, go to work. And that that cycle is just kind of repeating itself. But um, this this week, I I actually felt a little better. Mm-hmm. About just what was going on with myself and my life and my personage. So that was a that was an interesting change of pace for me. Did you do anything particularly good for yourself? I started to really pay attention to the thoughts. Because for a while there, you know, when, you, when your thoughts are so rapid fire and whatnot, you eventually just get to like go, all right, shut up for a little while. Everything is just a blur. There's yeah, nothing. Yeah. My eyes glaze over and the, uh, the outside world and the inside world are just a nice repeating, like, sexy sax man music. So th- th- that's just... <laughs> All I hear in my head, it may be like, oh, you're so being, you're being so stupid right now. You're being childish. No, that's being replaced with. Good. So that's a positive. <laughs> that is a positive. I think. That my, my ability, my ability to drown myself out with, uh, with sexy sax man music. So. Well, I mean, being aware of it in general. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, good. yeah. So. So today, we just want to remind everybody we are not professionals. Uh, we This is purely our opinion mm-hmm. and our feelings on the matter. Yep. And, um... Don't take us too seriously. I mean, honestly, like, we're, we're here to... A lot of this is us, like, venting our own brains for the most part, I would yeah. say. It's okay to also just be super chillax and just be like, hey... We know what we're talking about. We've been through this for at least 20 years. Yes. So today we're talking about how um, there are positive effects of depression. And we just, I want to say that we're not glorifying depression. We're not saying that this is a romantic good thing to have. But I have found that there are a few upsides to it. And I think maybe talking about that will be a good thing because we forget that there's good and bad with everything. There is always a balance. Yeah. Just like Thanos erasing half the universe, there is always balance. <laughs> so, so, for this week, we're going to touch on I think like one of the most important things to kind of address is again, we're not going to glorify depression. Mm-hmm. Though there is a sort of movement that exists mm-hmm. of like people who I mean, I don't know any other better way to put this. Want to be depressed. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just like, oh man, I'm just so depressed. Or this makes me so depressed. It's just kind of become something that people use. Mm-hmm. Or they feel like the angst that they're going through, if they put a really heavy word on it, will make it more real. Like, sure. hey dude, you can be going through a bad time and not be depressed. That's yeah. also, It's still real. <laughs> You're yeah, going through, it's still real. But I would like to also say that depression is a spectrum. And I read a really cool quote and it was saying that depression is almost like a piano you have really really high highs and you have really low lows and you kind of play all the keys in between and that's how my depression is 
sort of the pedal's anxiety then? <laughs> the sustain. <laughs> it just depends on how long it is. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to go with, because that, that analogy needs to work for everything. For all the things. Uh, I actually just recently heard an amazing uh, parallel for uh, anxiety as well, where anxiety is Steve Urkel. Mm-hmm. He's annoying. He breaks into your house. He hits on your daughter and just makes you feel miserable all the time. But he's going to steal the show. <laughs> that's amazing. That's that's kind of what you feel like when you're having like a weird panic attack panic is panic that attack. there's just like Steve Urkel standing on your chest. Right. Doing the Urkel. How how odd. Right. So now next time you guys are having an anxiety attack, remember Steve Urkel and maybe you'll get a chuckle and it might just kind of leave. Yeah, that's a way to alleviate <laughs> alleviate yourself a little bit. So do you want me to start with a positive? Please do. do. I think you've got this. Okay, so um, I think one of the things that is most prevalent and that I'm most thankful for for having depression is that I am an incredibly aware person now. And that came from being forced to really have introspection and self-awareness because I was like, well, wow, I'm, I'm just not getting things done at the rate that everybody else is and I need to work through my stuff. So I learned great coping mechanisms. I learned things that, you know, whether you're depressed or not are super helpful. And I think all of us know somebody who is in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and they've just stopped growing at a certain point. And I think that I have so much value on self-growth that I will try to continue doing that. And it's I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Oh, absolutely. There's There have been studies uh, that have been done, actually, that show that people who who have depression, they will be so much more attention-oriented, attention-to-detail-oriented, mm. that, that mistakes are not made nearly as often. Mm-hmm. If somebody is in charge of making decisions who's depressed, they're going to spend the time and the mental and physical energy to just go, well, wait. Yeah. Let's get this done right. Yeah. So let's take time. Let's let's go through all the choices. Let's pick the best one, or at least the one that leads to the least amount of suffering, <laughs> because these are the decisions we, <laughs> we make, have to a, make on a daily basis. <laughs> I think it also helps. Um, I don't know if you feel this way, but it helps me not take things for as granted. Mm. If I've had a long stretch where I haven't been depressed, you know, you're you're happy things are going well and stuff. But you don't really think about it when you've been depressed for a while. And then you get this really great day mm-hmm. or you have a really good hangout. I mean, you start to really appreciate like that little glimpse of happiness or that closeness you have with a certain person. Mm-hmm. Um, your relationships can mean more. A good song, you know, like it's yeah. it's it, sometimes the value of things gets cherished more. I 100% get that. Like that's yeah. completely normal for me to... I mean, actually, let me take that back. My normal, when I'm in a good stretch, Mm -hmm. like I'm feeling really good for a long period of time, is my normal ending point is, all right, let's see how long this lasts. Yeah. (laughs) And I I break that good feeling with just the reality of, okay, let's see how long it lasts this time. I bet I can ride this wave for like a day or two. And if it lasts longer than that, then I'm pleasantly surprised because yeah. I usually set myself up for failure in that way where I just go, okay, expect the worst. <laughs> and when the worst happens, it either doesn't hurt as much or I'm pleasantly surprised <laughs> when something good happens. 
It's a weird <laughs> reality that I find myself in. Well, I think because we deal with really big, scary feelings, especially if you also have anxiety where you feel like you're going to die sometimes with yes. your anxiety attack. I mean, you, you have to learn to process these things. And I think if you've never dealt with a big, scary feeling of depression or anxiety and suddenly, let's say, an emergency happens, mm -hmm. a lot of people will freeze. I've noticed that people who have depression... Um, they tend to do really well in emergency situations. Yeah. Like they just, because they deal with these emotions. So those emotions, when they come, yeah, they're still scary. They're still feeling them, but they're not so big that they don't know what to do. They're not necessarily overwhelmed by it. Um, in my life, there's been a few instances where everything kind of froze and I just kept, you know, going. And because I kept going, everything ended up being okay. Um Mm -hmm. Not to toot my own horn, no, <laughs> but you know, it's, yeah. I was actually going to ask, can you think of any specific incidents that were just like, you needed to take charge? Well, this is a smaller and less scary one, but, um, my mom did foster care for a while mm -hmm. and, um, we got two little girls whose parents were dead. The father had come home, shot the mother and then killed himself in front of the girls. That'll do it. And we were getting them a few hours after that. A few hours. Hours. They just didn't have anywhere to go. So my mom, you sign up for foster care, you do all these tests, it takes forever, and they you know, check your home and everything. But they don't tell you who you're going to get. They just give you a call and like, hey, we have these kids. Can we come over now? Yeah. And so I watched my mom go into a total extreme panic. I mean, absolutely. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And I said, this is fine. This is okay. I brought down some stuffed animals. We have a lot of toys in my house. Big family. Mm -hmm. um, I started making chocolate chip cookies. So when they came in, hopefully the smell of something pleasant from their life. I didn't know if they'd want to eat it, but I was just trying to create sensory things I thought that would be pleasant. I put on some cartoons. Mm -hmm. So when they walked in, there was something set up, not a stressed out, freaked out there was Woman. a there was a return to normalcy something yeah you know where they could you know and it was it was it was horrible for them no, and of course i mean i can't that but that's an example of um big scary emotions being felt not knowing how to process it yeah and there's always a time where those kind of emotions can become overwhelming and of course. i mean that's of like course. everybody at one point in their life or another, is going to experience sheer panic like of that. Course. So it is kind of a an interesting gift, I guess we could say that when you when you so. when you get used to being in a sort of quasi panic mm -hmm. a lot of your life, you do find it much easier to go. Oh, we're in full blown panic. I got this. Yeah. <sighs> Straddle up the. Get those suspenders gone and just kind of... <laughs> the depression vest. The, the Bullet, <laughs> bulletproof depression vest. Oh, God. I feel everything muted. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go. I've got this. Um, something else that is a, a definite positive mm -hmm. is um, creativity. Yes. Uh, I, for one, I've always found... And this is actually kind of a, a weird contentious point for a lot of folks with depression where they go oh, the only way I can be creative is if I'm depressed. And yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> you don't yeah. always have to be creative. It just helps that a lot of the best stuff comes out of tragedy or it mm -hmm. comes out of hardship. I think it's the inner instinct to resolve negative feelings through an artistic expression. I mean, they have 
art therapy for a reason. Mm -hmm. And uh, like Van Gogh is probably one of the most famous self-tortured artists (laughs) ever. Mm -hmm. Look at the stuff he made. I mean, and our minds think in many different ways. We have the symbolic mind and that's more of a, an instinctual thing. So if you're going through Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff and you're drawn to the arts, you know, I write, I sit down and I can write music and it's like, it's mm-hmm. like being possessed <laughs> and having the exorcist be my piano, you yes. know? Like I I need to get my music out or I write this really... I remember my mom being so conflicted because I would write a lot of poetry and it was pretty intense. I was, you know, like sure. 13, 14. But it was really dark, which was not something she wanted to be reading, all these horrific, depressed, mm-hmm. intense things but it it turns into a lot of beauty and i think it speaks to people Mm -hmm. in that way i agree 100 percent there's uh there's an article i was reading it's actually kind of an older article it was on the new york times it was called there's nothing deep about depression Mm -hmm. and it was it was this this kind of uh analysis of like it's a response to all those annoying questions that people like to pose about what if there was Prozac in Vincent van Gogh's time? Or, you know, if Edgar Allan Poe had had some sort of therapy or, you know, things like that, where would that have changed their art? Maybe. Maybe. But you got to read the article to really go into depth on that topic. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, but for me, like, I I think the creative thing, like, I mostly expressed my creative side of depression in my acting Mm -hmm. when I was doing that more often. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was, going back a couple weeks to our escapism topic, it was a genuine form of escape in performance. Because you, you go into that other person, you live their life, and if they're going through hell, but they somehow either make it out on the other end, or they come out dead, I guess, <laughs> then you have found some sort of Release. catharsis. Yeah. It's cathartic, yeah. It's, it's amazingly cathartic compared to, I don't know, hitting a pillow or doing something like that. I also think it's it's interesting that um, you it's mostly theater that you do, right? I know you do some film, but theater is really, I think, what... It's cool because you have so much that you work to together. You do rehearsals yeah. and you have like a structure and you have people who... That's what got me into acting for a mm-hmm. long time was theater and improv comedy. And I think having this group of people that you're a part of, that helps the draw. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's really... Um, it's part of community mm-hmm. that's yeah. so important. Like... Yeah. You, you have this group of people who a lot of them are going through similar stuff that you're going through. And they, they you may not talk about it outright, but most of the time you don't need to. It's just kind of an unspoken yeah. understanding. <laughs> we're broken and we pretend that we're other people in front of other people. <laughs> <laughs> we are broken for your entertainment. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I think, yeah, a lot of people who um, are creative are depressed and the link is you try to find ways to cope because when you're young you don't know what you're going through and you just know that you're different and you know that the you're not up or energized or you're not connecting the way that other people seem to be connecting and things are kind of so you try different outlets and that's when I think art happens agree yeah that's 
It's also, I think, like, one of the bigger parts about creating art well is having that sense of empathy. And it's raw. It's very raw. So you, when you're, you're not creating something because you want to sell it or you're trying to think of what's going to be popular. You're creating something that is very base and very human and something that people feel and yeah. can connect to. I think um, that's the best kind of art. Yeah, unless you're, like, Thomas Kincaid or some asshole like that. We're not going <laughs> to So I think, well, like you were saying, empathy. I think that's the other the other positive. When you have depression, I at least for me, I think I'm more empathetic and sensitive mm-hmm. to other people. And I'm a better listener. Yeah. No, that's that's a, one of your best qualities, I would feel, is your ability to listen. You, you've always kind of had that, that, uh, that ability to take what somebody else is saying and understand it in a way that maybe they just haven't understood it yet. Mm. And you can convey that back to them. It's part of your incredible empathy, in my mind, at least. Thank you. So, yes, it gives me the, um, the ability to, I can be, I'm a good at being there for people who are going through something. And, um, yes, while it sucks that it's because I have had lots of depression and hardship in my own life, we all have, right? And some people have it far worse than I have. But regardless of the scale of who has it worse, (laughs) I am somebody who now is able to really hear somebody. And maybe I haven't gone through what you've gone through, but I can understand the feelings that are behind it and Mm -hmm. what might help if that's what they need or just to listen. Sometimes people just want someone to listen and not change it or make it about them or whatever it's part of what's so important about therapy is you're you are going to somebody to essentially talk to them and Mm -hmm. that's you know you're not expecting them to fix you you're you're not expecting them to fix your problems for you right but you are looking for at least an outside voice that's not going to judge you like you judge yourself yeah which this is it's kind of interesting. Like we're talking about the pros of depression and like the the positives that can that can come with it. But all of these positives are such double-edged swords. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is how like we can definitely talk about how there are some good things, uh-huh. but all those good things have with them a danger. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I'm going to like say creativity mm-hmm. is so dangerous for yourself if you're not using it in the proper way mm-hmm. you can be creative you could write a story you can make a song you could you could create an entire universe in your head but you can create an entire universe in your head you can make the world that you are currently living in not what it actually is but your perception of it twists it in a way it's so important that if you're going to do creative work and that you're going to be empathic that you don't abuse those kinds of thoughts and feelings to to really serve you in a selfish way. Yeah, I think um, being careful with boundaries. Yes, boundaries are great. Yeah, that's those are things I didn't know about <laughs> for a long time, and I expected lots of things from other people and uh, did weird stuff. <sighs> I mean, that's the only way you can really put it with boundaries yeah. is like, no, we, we've we both been guilty of doing some weird shit uh, that we're like, oh, wait, there should be a boundary here, shouldn't there? Speaking of uh, weird and boundaries and double-edged swords, humor. Yeah. 
So I actually met Chris in middle school mm-hmm. through Improv Comedy Club. Yep. <laughs> we we had we had a very interesting middle school. Uh, I, I I realized that probably most people don't have an improv comedy class in their middle school as an elective. We did, and uh, as a result, a lot of the stuff that we were kind of connecting with were almost exclusively much darker than yes. than yes. like the majority of our cohorts. Our humor had this, like, magical twist to it. I thought you were going to say a malice to it, because that was also accurate. Yeah, it was dark. Still is very, very dark. I, trust me, I have accepted a long time ago that my own sense of humor is not exactly one to be shared outside of places like, I don't know, funerals. (laughs) So... But I think that's a gift for a lot of people to have somebody who has that humor and to be able to make really heavy and painful situations a little bit lighter. I am gotten very good at laughing at myself. Oh, yes. You have to. It's the only way to survive. Yeah. Yeah, No. And I think, I'm sure if you've had depression or, I mean, even if you haven't, but you see the humor in the malcontent and the the bullshit that you deal with. You're just like, this is, it's so stupid. Have you ever just been lying there and you're like, I can't go do this and this. This is so stupid. And yeah. you start laughing like, really? Is this, is this what we're doing today, body? Yeah. Today we are going to spend our life wallowing in misery. And after that, maybe go for a light walk. But there's humor in it. And that's the thing that I think is the lighter side of it. A lot of people take themselves very seriously, and uh, I just think life is too short. I think that there's a very important story for taking humor in the darkest of situations. Back in 2001 or early 2002, there was a Friars Club roast. I don't remember who they were roasting, but all I remember was that Gilbert Gottfried was on. This was... Post 9-11, the first, like, major oh, comedy geez. show since. since. And people were just, like, really hesitant to do anything too Triggering. jokey. Yeah. Uh, well, nobody was laughing in the audience, or they were ha- laughing politely. And Gilbert Gottfried comes out, and he just walks up to the mic and just goes, I'm sorry I'm late, but my plan had to make a stop-off at the Empire State Building. First words out of his mouth to the audience in New York. And they were just like, (gasps) this hush fell over the crowd of just like, what did he just say? Did he seriously? But then you heard the laughter in the audience. You heard people laughing at this, this horrific (laughs) comment. Um, And then he just goes, a family walks into a talent agency and he tells what is known as the aristocrats joke. The aristocrats joke, for those who are unaware, is a joke by comedians for comedians that is explicitly supposed to be the dirtiest, raunchiest, most unbelievably horrible joke. And it's there only to shock. Mm -hmm. It is not there. He's talking about this family doing unspeakable things. And by the end of it, the audience is laughing hysterically. Some of them are like screaming. And they're just like, this is what we needed. 
This is this is what we needed to pull ourselves back from this brink of horror that we've just like this horror and terror that has gripped us now for weeks, if not months. And it never I've never seen another example better yeah. of bringing people back from a dark place. It takes the power out of the evil. It takes the power out of fear. It takes no. the power out of misery. Yeah. That you can't be miserable and laughing so genuinely. Yeah. You can, of course, ruefully laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, when things are so miserable, you just can't help but laugh sometimes because you're like, oh, oh no, this is great. Let's please just yeah. pile it on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that kind of situation. That's a really good story. I love that story. It's 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 on a there's a documentary on it uh, called The Aristocrats. It's it's all these comedians just telling aristocrats jokes, and of course the uh, the kings of the aristocrats joke are pretty much like, I mean George Carlin had one, uh, Gilbert Gottfried has his, mm-hmm. and then there's Bob Saget. <laughs> and then there's Bob. Saget. And then there's Bob Saget, oh Bob God. America's Funniest Home Videos oh Saget, who is the dirtiest, raunchiest comedian I've ever heard in my life, and he had to spend like a decade on air making stupid voices at kids getting hit in the nuts. Ugh. Bless his heart. <laughs> so, speaking of humor, changing things. Oh yes. Please. I think at least this is one of the last thing I have for um, depression being having positive side effects. Of course. Is so I think it creates change. People who are depressed create change in the world. And that might sound counterintuitive because we we don't have motivation <laughs> and we're we we're so wrapped up sometimes in what we're going through we can't seem to really reach out or affect. But I'm seeing a global change of empathy, mm-hmm. of connectedness, of reaching out, of um, awareness of mental and emotional problems. Yeah. And really taking the stigma out of them. And I think that is priceless. I think, in a way, people who have depression and who, especially the ones who try to reach out and do something with it, it um, you're a catalyst for greater change. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... I, I couldn't put it any better myself. That's it's it's something about when you feel so miserable all the time, uh, you you don't want to, and you don't want anyone else around you to feel that way at the same time. So what do you do? Well, you either sit there and you live in that world and you just accept that that's the world you live in, or you make like most people when they're in a situation that requires them to act or suffer Mm -hmm. you try to change something even if it's small like even if it's something so minute that it only affects one other person there's something in you that makes you want to be better and wants the world to be better because of it you do i think one of the reasons people have depression is because we ruminate we sit and we think and we think and we think and we see the disparage and we see the, the, the need for something better or that we're not connecting enough or why isn't things deeper or why isn't my life like that, you know. And while that can be debilitating and often is, I think it's also maybe mm. nature's push to get things moving. Something needs to change. 
And I mean, if that's if we can change and we can see something positive in it, I say let's go for it and say it's that can be a gift. Yeah. Absolutely. Again, like it's so interesting to talk about the positives of depression cuz like just the idea of there being a depo- a positive side to it, like that feels so counterintuitive. There's yeah, I googled that actually. I googled the positives of depression and some of the, what I've spoken about was what popped up too but there wasn't much no and i think there's a mix of there's not maybe a lot of positive in depression but Mm. also people not wanting to glorify it or um make it more romantic than it is because it's not this is something that is serious it's debilitating it can ruin your life it has Mm. ruined lives yeah it will continue to ruin lives it will and but that's but maybe there's a little bit of magic with it too if we can find it Yeah, absolutely. That's, there's always got to be a silver lining, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening in, folks. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, though, thank you guys for listening in. Um, is there is there anything else we want to touch on? Or no, I think that's that's it for this episode. I know it's a little bit shorter, but. Um, I thought it was a good thing to touch on and um, let you guys know what we thought about it. So thank you again for listening in. We actually do have the feel-good, fun thing of the week. Yeah. Um, It's a comic that I'm enjoying currently. It's called Trying Human. Yeah. You can just Google it. It's pretty cool. There's like, (laughs) there's some crazy like men in black alien stuff going on. It's basically about... An alien and human who fall in love. Oh. And she goes through, she's at therapy in the beginning, and she goes through hypnosis and realizes that she's been abducted a few times. I love it. Very weird, very fun. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I'll throw in my comic recommendation while we're at it. Um, uh, go ahead and hop on to Questionable Content, which is a... Uh, Amazing webcomic. I've been reading it since it came out in, like, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, going strong. You've got a, quite a bit of a back catalog to go through, but it's in this kind of alternate reality uh, Massachusetts that has uh, both humans and AI that have been part of the singularity, and they are aware that, you know, there's, there's humans and AI living together. It's fun. I like that. So have fun with it. I hope you guys enjoy it. And thank you again. And as always, don't don't tell tell us us to just get get over it. it.